This is an egg. This is an egg on drugs. Ooh, drug omelet. I'm Torrin Atkinson. I don't feel like an axe murderer. I'm Joe Fulgham. Hi, soda jerks. We'd like to do an episode on marijuana. I'm Kevin Leeson, and this is Caustic Soda. Marijuana. Doobies. Grass. Weed. Leaf. MJ. Assassin of Youth. Mary Jane. Dinky Dow. Finger Lid. Giggleweed. Sticky Icky. (laughs) That's my favorite. Sticky Icky. (laughs) Loaf. Aunt Mary. Reefer. Reefer. Oh, Reefer Madness. Pot. Rope. Broccoli. There are way. There's so many slang terms that you might as well just stop using slang terms. I've heard skunk before. Does skunk grow where there are skunks? Is that how it came up with its name? I think it's the smell. It is the smell. I should probably start off this episode by apologizing to all my friends when I was a total dick when I was in my 20s, because I believed everything I was told about it and was like, why do you think they call it dope, man? You're such a loser getting stoned all the time. And yet, ironically, you're doing kind of a dope voice when you're making fun of yourself by <laughs> putting down dope. Exactly. This is what happens when you're a skeptic. You find out that your data was wrong, so you have to reevaluate your conclusions. Uh-huh. You can still make the dumb voice, though. You can totally make oh, the dumb nice. voice. Word origin. Marijuana. 1918, altered by the influence of Spanish proper Maria Luana, or Mary Jane, mm-hmm. from Mexican Spanish marijuana, which is of uncertain origin. So really, oh. Mary, so we Mary don't really Jane know. is the source of marijuana. Right, yeah. Oh, okay, but it's like a translation and then a translation. Yeah, it bounced around a lot. They were stoned. They weren't knowing what they're talking that about. That is funny that nobody knows why they started calling it marijuana. Right. Pot is- You know, if they weren't such stoners, they might have written it down. If <laughs> only. Mm-hmm. Pot, uh, 1938, is probably a shortened form of Mexican-Spanish potogoya, which means marijuana leaves. Okay. All right. And cannabis, 1798 common hemp, named from Greek cannabis with a K, hemp, a Scythian or Thracian word. Marijuana is a preparation of the cannabis plant intended for use as a psychoactive drug and as a medicine. Pharmacologically, the principal psychoactive constituent of cannabis is tetrahydrocannabinol, THC. Mm-hmm. And it is one is of... the learning channel? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the high channel, THC. Oh, uh-huh. It's... Lots of people do watch The Learning Channel, While High. Oh, I Mm -hmm. see. So you could call it that. THC is one of 483 known compounds in the plant, including at least 84 other cannabinoids, such as cannabidiol, which is CBD, cannabinol, CBN, Uh tetrahydrocannabivarin, THCV, and cannabigerol, CBG. (laughs) A lot of people have studied marijuana a lot to figure all this out. (laughs) There's a lot of brain power dedicated towards reducing your brain power. When smoked, the short-term effects of cannabis manifest within seconds and are fully apparent within a few minutes, typically lasting for one to three hours, varying by the person and the strain of marijuana. You can get very strong strains, you can get very weak strains. And also people. And people. (laughs) Uh, It has different effects on different people. We'll get to that too. The Mm -hmm. duration of noticeable effects has been observed to diminish due to prolonged repeated use and the development of a tolerance to cannabinoids. So eventually, like Cheech and Chong, you have to be smoking a giant doobie. Yeah, right. one the size of like a mannequin leg. Right. To get get back that like super high. Yeah. What most people do actually is instead of like a lot of other drugs where you would be chasing the high, they just decide to take a tolerance break. 
which is actually what I've done before this show. It's been 11 days for me, which should get rid of about 80 to 90% of the tolerance that I had built up, which is fairly good. You're jonesing just oh, like man. they show you in all those oh, PSAs. Spiders crawling all over my yeah. arms. It's mostly that I'm like, man, it would have been nice to watch those movies stoned. Torn frying egg. Show him what his brain is like right now. This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. It's eggs in a frying pan. Get it? Yeah, eggs. I like fried eggs. Uh-huh. Especially when you're on the weed. Your cholesterol goes to the roof because you eat all these eggs. Well, you know what? I think later on we're going to find out what happens to me on weed. <laughs> I just, uh, on a lark, decided to contact one of the makers of a portable vaporizer. Vaporizing is one of the ways that you can ingest this. You mean I don't have to eat pot brownies anymore? You don't. It's a company called Plume. They make a product called the Pax, which is this super excellent little portable vaporizer. They uh, got me in touch with vapeworld.com who heard about the podcast from me and said, wow, this sounds like a great idea. We'll send you one out. So there you go. Vapeworld.com has supported Caustic Soda. So if you're interested in getting something like that, I would suggest going to them. They've been really cool. I feel like we have Joe's bona fides on the smoking weed front. What about you, Torn? What is your, uh, your... You know, I had a doobie when I was 19 or 20, I think. Oh, when you were a rock star. Uh, no, that was no, pre that. was pre, pre-rock star. 19 oh. or 20, Torn was the uh, overweight nerd. Uh, Hanging this, out with the soon-to-be rock star. turned you into a rock star. It did. Now I'm the overweight nerd rock star. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, I became belligerent and started to push my girlfriend around. Whoa. So I decided never to do that again. Oh, wow. yeah. Belligerent and pushing girlfriends around. Wow. I would not I have uh, put that on your shoulders or on the weed. That is a real opposite reaction from almost everybody that I know. I know. Maybe it was just psychosomatic. Were you... <laughs> Maybe I was just looking for an excuse. I don't think that's the right use of the term psychosomatic. Somasomatic. I, I don't think you're using <laughs> psychosomatic properly. <laughs> do you think it was a panic attack? Could it have been something like that? Because I have some no people idea. do. Huh? Well, let's get... Uh, Kevin, what are your bona fides? I think we've talked a Maybe little bit about you I just had a lot of pent-up frustration. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. I went to University of British Columbia and all of my friends grew up in British Columbia, most of my friends. So mm-hmm. a lot of them were inveterate weed smokers from their high school years. Yeah. And I discovered very quickly that I disliked the smell of weed intensely. I mm-hmm. hated it too. So when people would smoke it around me, I would either leave the room or I would, you know, go do something else or whatever, whatever. And, uh, you know, I had roommates who would, you know, roll it on the kitchen counter or whatever. And I would like scrub the counter to make sure I didn't end up with any of it in my food or it just left a bad taste in my mouth. I just, it made me nauseous, just the smell of it. So I avoided it for a very, very long time. And then I was on a trip to Amsterdam where it is Mm -hmm. uh, readily available if you want to find it. Yep. Uh, Still not into the smoking of it, but uh, decided that, you know, it was was time to try a space bonbon. (laughs) I don't know if you guys know what that is. I do not. They they have space cakes and space bonbons. Now, space cake is basically a pot brownie, right? Mm -hmm. And it looks like a piece of cake, right? And then a space bonbon. Does it have frosting? Some of them do. Some of them do. Absolutely. A space bonbon is a chocolate about the size of like a dinner mint or an after eight uh, candy, right? And so I went, oh, well, okay. You know, I'm not a weed guy, mm-hmm. so the space bonbon looks more like my speed. Because I can imagine the space bonbon. Oh, they bon speed bon- too? <laughs> <laughs> the space bonbon is like one-tenth the size of a space cake. So I went, all right, this will be great. It'll ease me into it. I think the space bonbon has the exact same amount of weed as the space, space cake. cake. Oh, yeah. Just higher concentration. Yeah, just incredible concentration. It was a, yeah. it was a tactical error on my part. Because <laughs> I had one of these things, and about... 
don't know. I was like, I'm going to have a space bond. I'm going to wander around Amsterdam and soak it up while high on weed. Why are all these people melting? (laughs) That didn't happen. But about (laughs) about like 20 minutes into my walk around Amsterdam, I came to the conclusion that if I didn't get back to my hostel, like right away, I was not going to be able to find my way there. Mm -hmm. And I got to the hostel bar and I'd been there like, probably almost a week at that point in time. So I knew all the other guys were staying at the hostel and stuff. So there were a bunch of people that I knew in a table in the corner and all the tables in this hostel bar were like on the floor and surrounded by pillows. Okay. And uh, I tried to sit on a stool at the bar and fell off the stool (laughs) and crawled over to the table with people that I knew and proceeded to lay comatose (laughs) on these pillows in the corner and, and everyone again, was kind of like, what's up with him? Uh, I don't know. Amsterdam, yeah. I'm sure they knew yeah. exactly what was going on. There was a lot Amsterdam of that syndrome. disembodied like, hey, what's going on with him? And kind of some mumbled, leave him alone. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, like three hours later, I kind of like started to come out of him like, and, uh, you know. <laughs> so it's not- different than the usual <laughs> that happens every morning. Yeah. But a little bit different. It lasted like three hours long. My other negative experience with uh, with cannabis is never having a non-burned knife in the household that I lived in. <laughs> oh, man. So I could like use it to cut a sandwich or something without getting hash resin on it. Some effects of marijuana consumption include, may include, of course, not everybody experiences all of these, mm-hmm. a general alteration of conscious perception and euphoria. Mm-hmm. Feelings of well-being, relaxation, or stress reduction. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Increased appreciation of humor, music, especially discerning its various components okay. and instruments. That is spin. That is spin doctoring. Increased appreciation of humor is spin doctoring. You laugh at stuff that isn't funny anymore. Like, you, yes. Like, increased appreciation. This is... They're using some serious spin to make this sound uh, a positive thing. Actually, I can give you some quotes from Carl Sagan about this, well, if you would like. I mean, He's Carl- the funniest guy I know. <laughs> hey, all I know is that Cheech and Chong never should have been famous. And there are a lot of people <laughs> smoking weed and making them rich and famous. Yeah. so It certainly does make things that are, shouldn't be very funny a lot funnier. Mm-hmm. Joviality, metacognition and introspection, mm. which means you start thinking about Thinking about things. Thinking about the the (laughs) way that you think about things. Here's an odd thing. Enhanced recollection, like episodic memory. Okay. You start remembering certain things that you didn't remember before, and you remember them very well. Remember that time I was high? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Disruption of linear memory. So that's the, what was I thinking about? Which Uh absolutely I get. So Mm -hmm. we're probably going to see some of that. Paranoia and anxiety are also typical. Cannabis also produces many subjective effects, such as a greater enjoyment of food taste and aroma, an enhanced enjoyment of music and comedy. And Especially Mark- when the food is pot brownies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this tastes like more, man. <laughs> At higher doses, effects can include altered body image, auditory and or visual illusions, pseudo-hallucinatory or rarely at very high doses, fully hallucinatory experiences, and ataxia from selective impairment of polysynaptic reflexes. Ataxia meaning you can't move. Right. In some cases, cannabis can lead to dissociative states such as depersonalization, which is a feeling of watching yourself act and having no control over the situation, uh-huh. and derealization, which is an alterization in the experience and perception of the external world so that it seems unreal. So you're like, man, have you ever like looked at the word accordion? How is accordion even real? Like, How does that mean that Two thing? Two C's and a D <laughs> yeah. in the same word? It's crazy. Effects can typically last two to three hours, but vary by potency and delivery method. 
cannabinoid toxicity. I have a few items that uh, have not been yet mentioned. Um, first of all, I should say that uh, marijuana does not have a dramatic acute toxicity, mm-hmm. nor does it produce physical dependence. As a result, the determination of the abuse potential of marijuana is difficult. And because of certain social biases, controversial, many of the conservative experts, quote-unquote, on marijuana drive most of their information from dated literature, and the majority of these individuals also threaten uncontrolled panic reactions with a single dose. Yeah. Many young marijuana liberals, on the other hand, proclaim that marijuana is harmless, despite the fact that science has never found a chemical agent that is harmless when dosage is considered. You could have a ton of marijuana dropped in your head and you would die. <laughs> what if you swam in like marijuana oil? Yeah, you could drown. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I could stuff enough joints down your mouth that you would suffocate. For so example, no, there's never been an example of marijuana overdose. Uh, you would have to smoke, I believe, 1,500 joints in an hour. To reach a toxic level? Well, I've got acute toxic symptoms secondary to marijuana overdosage. Okay, lay it on me. Nausea and vomiting. Oh. Actually, it's usually an anti-nauseal. But some people, again, different people have different reactions. Mm -hmm. Uh, We mentioned short-term memory Mm -hmm. uh, disruption, uh, formation disruption. It is known that heavy marijuana smokers can precipitate a psychotic reaction in individuals with severe personality disturbances. Right, yep. Uh, But in which case it's... It's yeah, a, but a trigger. It's, it's a trigger. But yeah. when you've got people with severe personality disorders, like you, and just about anything can be a trigger. Uh, it can also serve as a trigger for an LSD flashback. Ah, but mm. it, you have just, to have, just as any psychoactive drug, including alcohol, can. Yeah, yeah. but you have to have LSD first. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You don't. I'm not going to smoke a joint and have an LSD flashback. Oh my god, I'm having. I've never had LSD. Why is this happening? <laughs> they didn't tell me this about marijuana. They didn't tell me about this in Nam. <laughs> Potheads, quote-unquote, who are observed as becoming stoned almost daily with marijuana and become anxious uh, if grass is not available. This habituation or psychological dependence is disruptive in that they tend to ignore personal and social responsibilities such as personal hygiene, Mm -hmm. health, work, etc. Younger individuals who regularly use marijuana may develop an amotivational syndrome in that they lose the desire to work or compete. I've definitely seen this in a couple of people I know. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably the biggest reason that I decided not to explore further with right. with these kinds of drugs. Yeah, because you just become a, a couch bum. I've had I've had friends uh, who were extremely creative and productive before they started smoking marijuana mm-hmm. and then that just all went away. Yeah. yeah. So just that it was all, like it, and I'm lazy enough as it is. Right. That's another thing, reason why I didn't want to do it when I was younger as well. I knew how lazy I was. Right. But what I found actually is it's almost been a, a null effect. It, it has made me a little more sit around and get stoned, but it also has allowed me at certain times to just focus on what I'm trying to get done. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the positive and the negative for me kind of balances out. Cannabis arteritis. Is a very arteritis? Arteritis. 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 Is a very rare peripheral (laughs) vascular disease similar to Berger's disease. Yeah. See, I would have guessed that it it sounded like, you know, uh, an early bird, like a prehistoric bird. Arteritis. Arteritis. (laughs) Archaeopteritis. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There are about 50 confirmed cases from 1960 to 2008. The main symptom is pain in the affected areas at rest and while walking. Mm-hmm. Impaired circulation increases sensitivity to cold. Color changes in extremities. Oh. The color yeah. may range from cyanotic blue, oh, whatever that means. That, that sounds very blue. To reddish blue. Reddish blue? That's kind of a weird color. 
you would think that would be purple. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> if, kidding. If my color theory has not made anything. Is that right? I hope I'm getting it right. Red and blue make purple, yes. Skin becomes thin and shiny. Oh. Hair growth is reduced. Ulcerations and gangrene in the extremities are common complications, often resulting in the need for amputation of the involved extremity. So yeah. this is a blood flow disease that's exacerbated by weed. Yes. So you would well, have this, you'd like you'd have this latent, and then you'd have weed, and it would it would make it worse. Here's the thing: these are all in Europe, right? Yes. Every case is in Europe, and mm-hmm. over in Europe and England, it's people, the inbreeding. No, it's the inbreeding. It's the blue blood. It's the the blue blood is just bubbling to the surface. You gotta like put them on a throne. It's like when somebody smokes weed and this happens to them, heir to the throne. The theory that I've seen to explain this is that in Europe and uh, England, pot smokers tend to mix their weed with 50-50 tobacco. So half tobacco, half weed, Mm -hmm. because that allows the joint to burn slower. Okay. Right? Because if you just make a joint out of just weed and you inhale on it, it just goes really fast and burns up too quickly. So they put the tobacco in to give it a bit of a flavor because they're also smokers. And all of the people who have this smoke that combination. So it's tobacco and marijuana together. In North America, most of us tend to not consume weed in that fashion. Mm-hmm. Cannabis usage has been shown to have a negative effect on driving ability, showing impairments in tracking, attention, reaction time, short-term mm-hmm. memory, hand-eye coordination, vigilance, time and distance perception, and decision-making and concentration. Confirmed. Yeah, I mean, th- <laughs> those, are, those are all effects and those would all i mean if i'd had my space bonbon before i got behind the wheel of a car yeah oh you'd be in trouble it it would not have ended well for anybody let me tell you how much it drives me crazy as somebody who thinks that marijuana should be legal when i hear people go i'm fine when i'm high i should i can drive just fine no you can't yeah like just because i drive better when i'm high yeah you know some people say oh i drive better when i have i'm more relaxed Yeah, yeah, it's it's bunk. However, a report from the University of Colorado, Montana State University, and the University of Oregon found that on average, states that have legalized medical cannabis had a decrease in traffic-related fatalities by 8 to 11%. Is that because everyone was driving a little bit slower? <laughs> the research there, there are more accidents, but <laughs> less like fatalities. Super careful. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. that, that actually is one of the theories. The research is hypothesized. It's just safer to drive on the influence of marijuana than it is drunk. Drunk drivers take more risks. They tend to go uh, faster. Lower inhibitions. They don't realize how impaired they are. But like I said, when you're high, you're like, dude, I'm so high. People who are under the influence of marijuana drive slower. They don't take as many risks. And another consideration they added was the fact that users of marijuana tend to not go out as much. <laughs> yeah. When you get drunk, you're like, all right, let's go. Keep getting drunk and party. And yeah. marijuana's like, let's order in for delivery. Yeah. I am so into this video game Who's right now. Who's calling for pizza? Absolutely. <laughs> now, we all know marijuana does brain damage. That's what a firing plant told me. That's what we heard. Well, this is all based on one study called the Heath-Tulane study. Oh, so it's like they did it on the highway? Yeah, T-U-L-A-N-E, Tulane yeah. University. Oh. In wow. 1974, then-California Governor Ronald Reagan was asked about decriminalizing marijuana. After producing the Heath-Tulane University study, the so-called great communicator proclaimed, the most reliable scientific sources say permanent brain damage is one of the inevitable results of the use of marijuana. The report from Dr. Heath had concluded that rhesus monkeys smoking the equivalent of only 30 joints a day mm-hmm. began to atrophy and die after 90 days. Oh. Did they also feed them any food? <laughs> they did. <laughs> However. Only pot brownies. 
1980, Playboy and Normal, N-O-R-M-L, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, received, after six years of requests and suing the government, an accurate accounting of the research procedures used in the infamous report. They hid how this report was done. Oh, why would you do that in the science hmm, world? hmm, Why would you do that, Kevin? That does make a lot of sense. As reported in Playboy, the Heath research methodology involves strapping rhesus monkeys into a chair and pumping them with the equivalent of 63 Colombian strength joints in five minutes through gas masks, losing no smoke. So 63 joints, every bit of the smoke was forced into their lungs for five minutes. So I shouldn't do that. Playboy discovered that Heath had administered those 63 joints in five minutes over just three months instead of administering 30 joints per day over a one-year period, as he had first reported. He did this, as it turned out, in order to avoid having to pay an assistance wage every day for a full year. Ah. The monkeys (laughs) were suffocating. Right. Three to five minutes of oxygen deprivation causes brain damage, dead brain cells. With the concentration of smoke used, the monkeys were a bit like a person running the engine of a car in a locked garage for 5, 10, or 15 minutes at a time every day. You mean I can't get oxygen into my blood just by breathing smoke? That's right. (laughs) Well, there's some oxygen in the smoke, isn't there? There's going to be a little, right? But <laughs> almost they weren't, they weren't adding extra to make sure that he could breathe, that these monkeys could breathe. Right. So the Heath monkey study was actually the study in animal asphyxiation and carbon monoxide poisoning. Right. This is this is uh, this is pretty uncool because totally I super imagine that you'd have all these rhesus monkeys sitting back, like because they got opposable thumbs, yeah, they could yeah. like, literally like puff on joints. You could oh, yeah. totally put them in a tie dye shirt yeah. and <laughs> some uh, sandals been, with socks. It would have been the most adorable study ever. Check this out. No studies since, which we must suspect were better run, have found any brain damage caused by marijuana. I didn't even know this at all until we did this research. Are you sure there wasn't a study where they had them smoke a joint and at the same time hit them in the head with a hammer? (laughs) Oh, well. However... This is is almost like a follow-up to bad science. Yeah, exactly. In the history... (laughs) It is debated as to whether cannabis originated in Central Asia or China, but, you know, close enough. Uh An ancient village was discovered in China dating back 10,000 years to the Stone Age and contained small pots with patterns of twisted hemp fiber decorating them, meaning at the very least they had hemp. Right. Priests began using the stalk of cannabis as a symbol to drive away evil. The first evidence of the medicinal use of cannabis is found in the book Pen Sao Ching, attributed to the Emperor Shengneng of about 2000 B.C. Well, that's what a while ago. Yeah. Like 4,000 years ago. Uh, Scythians, which uh, I had to look up what that meant. It's the guys who chopped down the grain with scythes. The ancient Greeks called the land north of them Scythia, or Great Scythia, which include Czechoslovakia and Hungary. Turkey and Hungary and all yeah. those places, and even uh, Afghanistan. A Greek historian from 5th BC wrote about his observance of a Scythian funeral. They would erect small tents, place small censers that contain rocks heated from the funeral fires. They would throw cannabis seeds on those, creating a thick vapor that would get them high. But it wasn't just at funerals. A Russian archaeologist named Professor S.I. Rudenko found a bronze cauldron filled with burned marijuana seeds buried with the body of an embalmed Scythian. He also found shirts made of hemp fiber with metal sensors designed to inhale smoke. Metal sensors? Oh, that kind of sensors. (laughs) C-E-N-S-E-R-S. A little burning bowl. Right. Rudenko determined that this wasn't connected to any religious rites and concluded that Scythians inhaled seed smokes every day along with their women. Yeah. They inhaled inhaled their their women? women? (laughs) 
<laughs> that was badly worded. <laughs> While some scholars believe that cannabis came to North America from white settlers for industrious youth, others argued it was here before white men arrived. So is there pot plants growing all over the world, or what is the origin? Cannabis grows everywhere, except, hmm. I believe, the Poles. Okay. Poland? <laughs> yes. Doesn't grow on top of Polish people. <laughs> By the year 1840, cannabis was introduced into medicinal practice throughout North America with papers published by the hundreds claiming cannabis can ease or cure various illnesses and discomforts. You'll still hear that today. Papers published by the hundreds that you can roll joints with. Ooh. Cannabis was prescribed for rabies, rheumatism, <laughs> epilepsy, tetanus, and as a muscle relaxant. Hey, that one will actually work. Yeah, rabies, not so sure. Cannabis was such a common use for ailments that it became available over the counter in various preparations. I know how it cures rabies. You give it to the dog with the foaming mouth. <laughs> and the dog goes, dude, I totally bite you, but I'm not going to get up. I'm going back to my doggy bed. The rough. <laughs> cannabis eventually fell out of medicinal favor after the invention of the hypodermic syringe, and cannabis was noted as unstable, such as it was hard to make the potency consistent. Right. Because uh, yes. they didn't know how to measure the THC volumes yeah, and things like really that. Really difficult. They didn't have their mortars and the pestles. Yeah, and to inject right. those seeds as, really hard. As Kevin <laughs> like can confirm, uh-huh. as Kevin can confirm, orally taken, the results were too erratic and unpredictable. Plus, opium came into favor as it was soluble and could be injected for faster and more reliable pain relief ah, from patients. And the opium den. To the opium den, Batman. <laughs> It wasn't until 1916 that North Americans were smoking marijuana to get high. Puerto Rican and American soldiers were found smoking marijuana, but military authorities decided to let it slide because it appeared to be less harmful than drinking alcohol. Hmm. <laughs> How forward thinking. Uh-huh. The majority of North America's fear of the effects of marijuana, I would say definitely come from Harry J. Anslinger. He was the first commissioner of the U.S. Treasury Department's Federal Bureau of Narcotics in 1930. Now, was Anslinger his title, like Gunslinger? That's but what's an ass? A mudslinger. Ah. He led a massive media campaign against marijuana. Uh, while marijuana restrictions- Why? What was his, like, why did he have a stake in the fight? Well, he headed the Federal Bureau of Narcotics after okay. being one of the assistant chairman of the Prohibition group, I can't yeah. the Bureau of Prohibition. Prohibition went away, but they made a Federal Bureau of Narcotics and right. he got put in charge. So they it's his these, job. They got all these people and just transfer them over to some yeah. made up right. department. Yeah, we were after alcohol, now we're after pot. When he was in Prohibition, he was seen as being uh, uncorruptible because right. he a was zealot. he was so fervent against the, the dangers of people doing any kind of recreational drug, really. Mm-hmm. So he, he really was an anti-pleasure zealot, it seemed. I think you mean discorruptible. Mm-hmm. Discorruptible? You oh. said uncorruptible. It's incorruptible. Yes, exactly. But you said uncorruptible. Oh, so incor- then I made a good joke about okay. incorruptible. And now I'm ruining it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's okay. It explains it for the people who weren't really listening. Oh, good. Yeah. Here's the odd thing. Anslinger did not himself consider marijuana a serious threat to American society until the fourth year of, te- of his tenure in mm. 1934, at which point an anti-marijuana campaign aimed at alarming the public became his primary focus as part of the government's broader push to outlaw all recreational drugs. By using the mass media as his forum, and mm-hmm. here's something that might explain a why, receiving much support from William Randolph Hearst, who it is claimed saw hemp as a threat to his forestry business. Oh. There had been an article almost, it was about to be published in Scientific American, talking about hemp as the promising crop of the future. Right, right. Hearst was heavily invested in forestry, which then led into making paper for his and newspaper controlled the media. Right. And controlled the media, and he helped fund this massive 
anti-marijuana campaign. Anslinger propelled the anti-marijuana sentiment from the state level to a national movement. Now, if you want to know more about this, I would, re- I would watch the, the documentary Grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very good. Uh, I don't know if it's available online, but I'll put a link up to whatever I can find about it. It's really eye-opening. Here are some of the quotes from Anslinger about marijuana, which will give you an idea of just how whacked out this guy is and like reasons why he didn't like it uh-huh. and reasons why North America like fears it still to this day. All right, lay it on us. And he really does talk like this. Most marijuana smokers are Negroes, Hispanics, jazz musicians, and entertainers. Their satanic music is driven by marijuana, and marijuana smoking by white women makes them want to seek sexual relations with Negroes, entertainers, and others. Wow, satanic jazz. It is a drug that causes insanity, criminality, and death. The most violence-causing drug in the history of mankind. 1937. Uh, the The way he described it? Kind of made me want to do it. <laughs> I made me want to start a satanic jazz band. I know. Satanic yeah. <laughs> jazz. White women who are driven to a sexual frenzy. Yeah. Right? Negroes. Entertainers. This sounds like a lot of fun. Except insanity, criminality, and death. Yeah, that's a relative term, though. I feel like, you know, I'm okay with that other stuff. You know, if a little insanity, criminality, and death comes along with it, then... It's inevitable no matter what you're doing. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's just kind of like, you know, a side effect. Some people will fly into a delirious rage, and they are temporarily irresponsible and may commit violent crimes. Other people will laugh uncontrollably. It is impossible to say what the effect will be on any individual. So no one really has, outside of this William Randolph Hearst conspiracy theory, Mm -hmm. no one really has any other rationale behind the fervent anti-marijuana movement. One more. Anslinger used the case of Victor Lakata to further his political agenda. It was an unprovoked crime some years ago, which brought the first realization that the age-old drug had gained a foothold in America. An entire family was murdered by a youthful addict in Florida. When officers arrived at the home, they found the youth staggering about in a human slaughterhouse. With an axe, he had killed his father, his mother, two brothers, and a sister. He seemed to be in a daze. He had no recollection of having committed the multiple crime. The officers knew him ordinarily as a sane, rather quiet young man. Now he was pitifully crazed. They sought the reason. The boy said he had been in the habit of smoking something which his youthful friends called Muggles, a childish name for marijuana. I thought that was people in Harry Potter who didn't believe in magic. I was about to say, he's, it he's, is. He, smoked, he smoked non-believers in magic? Apparently, uh, J.K. Rowling did not know that when she chose the word. Uh-huh. <laughs> Too bad. Here, so, are the, here are the actual facts. a whole of, different level, man, to Harry Potter. Do you, do you want to guess what the actual facts of that case are? I'm going to guess. I'm going to go way out on a limb and say that you're going to tell me marijuana had nothing to do with it. The kid did consume marijuana. There were some muggles. Uh-huh. There were some muggles. Victor Licata, born 1912, was an axe murderer who killed his father, mother, two brothers, and a sister, and their dog in Tampa, Florida. Oh, the dog. He was declared- That's, the, that's why. He got two years for the rest of it, got life for the dog. That was a good dog. hmm He was declared unfit to stand trial for reasons of insanity. Subsequent psychiatric examinations at the Florida State Hospital for the Insane determined that the 21-year-old Licata suffered from dementia precox with homicidal tendencies. Right. But marijuana was not mentioned in the psychiatric reports as having any bearings on his actions. Lakata had already been identified as mentally ill, and there had been steps to incarcerate him before his crime. Uh So the whole, he had been known as a sane boy, is complete lie. Right. Tampa. Right, but he was known as, an, as a sane boy when he was like six before he started smoking marijuana. 
Tampa police had applied to have him institutionalized a year before the murders for mental illness, but the application was denied when his family vowed to increase their oversight of his behavior. I thought they were going to say increases dosage of marijuana. (laughs) Maybe that's how they try. (laughs) Mental illness ran in his family, including a brother with schizophrenia and at least one other direct blood relative who had been institutionalized. His parents were also first cousins, and he committed suicide in a mental institution in 1950 after killing another patient. Hmm. The case was paraded around. After smoking marijuana, though, they got marijuana in the mental institution, right? Because that created the homicidal rage. I have no proof of that. The case was paraded around in front of the media and Congress to support the claim that marijuana will make you a literal axe murderer. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah. That cat is high. Look that look in his eye. Oh, man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. That cat is high. Look that look in his eye. Man, I wouldn't lie. The cat's higher than a kite. Now, when you see him stumbling up and down the street, you know that cat's been drinking. Got no shoes upon his feet, man, he's high. I said that cat is high. Yes, he's high. Man, he's higher than a kite. That cat is high. Look at that look in his eye. Man, I wouldn't lie. The cat's higher than a kite. Boys, he's high. Just look at them two black eyes. No, I wouldn't lie, he's higher than the sky. When you see him tipping round and round the block, know that cat is very beat, beat clean down to his socks. That cat is high, boys, I wouldn't lie. Oh my, oh my, he's higher than a kite. Yeah. John boy, when you see him stumbling up and down the street, you know that cat's been drinking, got no shoes upon his feet. Man, he's high, yes, he's high. My oh, my, I want the home cooking mama with the frying pan. I know oh, that cat's high, <laughs> yeah. So, I am now uh, medicated. All right, so you have uh, in our in our intermission, yeah. You uh, you even though I had the vaporizer, the deal was you can't do it in this office here. You, so we, you I had went your outside. you had your last dance with Mary Jane. I we had to put you in the latest the, dance I, with Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. We had to put you in the isolation booth. Exactly, the outside isolation booth. So I used my Pax vaporizer. It was my very first use of it because I'd been 
doing that tolerance break and I right. had it and was really excited. PaxVaporizer.com. It's just, it just uh, uh, plume.com slash Pax. <laughs> but you can buy it at Vaporworld. Got him. Got him. But you can buy it at Vaporworld.com. Uh-huh. I uh, consumed a uh, about three good uh, inhalations off the Pax Vaporizer. I'm uh, The strain that I have is the Jack Herrer strain, mm-hmm. named after a hemp activist, Jack Herrer, who passed away about three years ago. How many strains are there? So many. Uh, Do they all have funky names? Yes. If you go to Leafly.com, Leafly is actually an excellent little uh, marijuana uh, review website. I know one is called Maui Waui. Yes. Do they all rhyme? I think that helps. Like sticky icky? From a marketing perspective, that can't hurt your chances. We have a bunch of stoners. Dopey whoopy. Going into uh, dispensaries. See, focus, Joe. Focus. I am focusing. Well, I'm. You guys were talking, but I was looking at, at Leafly.com. You can. This or, were you looking, or were you looking at the pretty colors on the webpage? I was oh, kind of doing that. It's like a, a periodic table of pot. It really is. Uh, there are 520 strains listed here, and you can say, "I want one that's good for depression, and I want to be creative and energetic." And it's like, "Oh, there's two strains for you: Idlewise and Malawi." Idlewise and so. Malawi is a sativa rating of 8.7. In your face. So yeah, 520 different strains on leafly.com. In the news, man, dude. 2010, the UK Sun is reporting a four-year-old boy found a small bag of marijuana in a video game case his father gave him. Okay, why is a four-year-old boy getting a video game case from his father? Like, do they even have like a like, do four-year-olds play video games? Uh, apparently they do. Uh, right. Connectimals, maybe? Okay. Actually, I even know what it is. Andy Brown 30 brought, bought his son a used copy of Fight Night Round 4 <laughs> from a local blockbuster. He bought him a that boxing awesome. game. Yeah. All right. He'd been playing the game. The, he'd only been playing the game 10 minutes when he came. <clears throat> See? Can't even. Yeah. <laughs> this has got to stay in the recording. <laughs> it will. He'd only been playing the game 10 minutes when he came down with the bag in his hand and asked, Daddy, what's this? Brown told the son. I checked and realized I was horrified and took it off him straight away. Horrified. And then I <laughs> The bag his son was holding contained a small amount of cannabis and tobacco blend. See, Europeans. And by horrified, I mean I smoked it. Blockbuster credited Brown's account with a free rental and promised <laughs> to look into the situation to determine how the baggie wound up being sold with the game. But the free rental had to be Pineapple Express. <laughs> <laughs> November 2012, Washington Initiative 502 and Colorado Amendment 64, both initiatives in uh, the states of Washington and Colorado, obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, on marijuana reform to legalize the personal use for adults of small amounts of marijuana. Now, yeah, I heard about this. This happened uh, during the American presidential uh, election. Right. So they have their initiative ballots at the same time. People can go and vote on, we all vote because we're a democracy to do this. We don't want to wait for somebody Since else. Since we're voting vote. anyway. Yeah. But it, uh, isn't, isn't it still against federal law in America? Like whether the yes. states legalize it or not. Right. Isn't it still a problem? It is. uh, And what's happening is right now is people are arguing over states' rights versus federal rights, uh, whether or not the DEA has the right to come into a place where the states have specifically declared something legal, whether that overrides the federal limit. Uh, The federal government basically thinks that they have the right to override it. Mm -hmm. But recently, Obama has declared that the DEA has bigger fish to fry. So he is, has told them to currently not push that issue. Right. 
which I think is probably about the best that he can do in this situation. You know, he can't go, yep, they get to do it because he's going to get too much negative feedback from conservative people who don't want it legalized. Mm -hmm. So this is probably his kind of political way to go. Let's let them try for a while. If they don't erupt into stoner chaos, (laughs) then the rest of the USA will see everything's Mm -hmm. fine. And then the rest of the of the states can go. Okay, wow, they did what it. And it's, would stoner okay. chaos? If this goes horrible, if this little experiment, worst case scenario. That's what's what you the worst want? case scenario? You want like we world... want munchies. We <laughs> want munchies. What you want to see is World War weed. So both of these ballots passed with around fifty-seven uh, percent, and it is thought that both ballots are responsible for encouraging one of the highest voter turnouts in the nation of eighty-one <laughs> percent. Of course. That's the only thing that'll get stoners off the couch. <laughs> yeah. Plus you get a free brownie with every boat. <laughs> well, I mean, British Columbia uh, is sort of like ahead of the curve on this because it's not that marijuana is legal. It's just nobody enforces it for a personal possession. Not nobody, but... I'll tell you what the way I remember it because I remember okay. it being a big story back in the 90s when this all sort of like came to pass. Mm-hmm. When uh, this big story sort of hit the news here in B.C., that there was a manslaughter or murder case. It took the case like four years to get to court. And then they petitioned for habeas corpus that it took too long for the case to come to pass. And the judge was forced to throw this assault charge or murder charge or manslaughter charge out. And they, they did a study. They, they went, okay, why was it that it took them four years to get this case to court? And they determined that there were so many possession charges that were up that were being filed that they were levying a charge of personal possession that had, you know, mostly fines, if not like just like 30 or 60 days in jail behind them. That, and that, was, that accounted for something crazy like 75% of all the cases that were waiting to be seen in front of the court. Oh, that all these important cases couldn't get through because right. they couldn't just prioritize based on severity. Right. And so the BC Supreme Court came down and tossed out all of these outstanding possession cases oh, wow. and said in their, in Do their decision- Do a better job, people. No, in their decision, <laughs> they, said they left a message for the police saying, we intend to throw out all cases of personal possession as they come to us so as not to clog up the works. Right. So you can keep arresting people. It's okay. within your right, right. but we're not going to prosecute. Okay. So- Go at it, and so of course yeah. now the police. Let the police brutality begin. So the the police <laughs> stopped stopped nabbing people for possession because yeah. they're like, well, what's the point in arresting a person and doing all the paperwork if yeah. they're not? Because you know how police hate paperwork. Yeah, they hate paperwork almost as much as stoners do. Yeah, unless you're rolling something in it. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so they went, well, screw it. You know why bother if it's just going to get tossed out of court? And that's been the case for like wow. fifteen, twenty years. But okay. they still, they, I, I always hear in the news about grow ops being found in. Well, yes, of course, grow ops because that's intent to distribute. We're just talking about personal possession. Okay. Yeah. Should we go on to pop culture? Sure. I. Kevin, you and I watched Super High Me. I've, uh, yes. I've also seen Super High Me. Oh. So on all the three Netflix. of us have seen the Doug Benson documentary or, you know, documentary. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Is it really a documentary? Well, I mean, you guess you document somebody's life in a. 60 day snapshot yeah. in which Doug Benson decided that he was not going to consume alcohol or marijuana for 30 days and then he was going to smoke marijuana all day every day for 30 days in, in, a, an, in an homage to, to Super Size Me by yeah. Morgan Spurlock mm-hmm. right uh, not it was you know kind of boring right for, yeah. for a non-pot smoker 
Except that it, they interspersed it with his comedy. Yes. That, that was the only thing that made this movie watchable was that you had in that hour and a half, you had probably about 20 minutes of stand-up comedy by Doug Benson, who's legitimately funny. But what were the results of the experiment? I've been talking a lot, Kevin. You can talk about Super High Me. Sure. He, uh, you know, I mean, they did a bunch of stuff that when he was not high. In the they month, took tests. They took tests. They did like an SAT test. They did like this bogus bullshit, like psychic test. Like, can you predict? <laughs> right. The guy on the other side of a screen is holding <laughs> up a card. Can you predict what the card is? Yeah. Right. Uh, what was the other things he did? The memory test. That's odd that you didn't remember that. Wait, which memory test? Uh, oh, the the stupid one the, about the three the, things? The boat, pineapple, coat hanger. Yeah, okay. So this uh, the test that actually we did during the alcohol episode right. where the doctor says three things then asks you a bunch of unrelated questions then asks you again yeah. to repeat those, to three, repeat things. those three things. It is so right? hilarious that I'm pretty nicely baked right now and I remembered that I think I got the three things a little wrong. Well, I think I was kind of falling asleep yeah, during okay. that part of the movie because it was kind of, I was kind of bored already. Yeah, and so they did it when he was not high, and then they did all the same tests when he was high. And he, the pot apologists are going to point out that he performed better when he was high than when he was not high. Right. I my my the skeptic in me, the natural cynic, kind mm. of points out that you know what though. Just like three weeks before he performed this test while high, he had done it while sober. So he gotten some practice in, whereas when yeah. he did it sober, he hadn't done any of these it's tests. It's kind of cold. Yeah, it's, it's true. And you're totally right. I mean, this is not scientific. Yeah. Right? Because when, when he was in his sober month, that memory test, mm-hmm. he didn't know what was happening. He said, remember these three words. Then he gave him a bunch of tests and yeah. said, now what are the three words? And he even said he got like focused on it. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. when he's the next month, when he's high, he knows what's coming. He's got this expectation, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously he's going to perform better. But it should be noted, he lost weight when he was off weed, lost three pounds, mm-hmm. and he gained eight pounds when he went back on weed. Yeah. Munchies, totally. Yeah. It was about, it was less interesting than Super Size Me. Yeah. And it was, again, the only thing that really made it a palatable film was his comedy, his did comedy he, routine that was Did he uh, always take in the cannabis in the same manner? No, he... It was funny because he had because maybe though, those maybe that extra weight was all the brownies. <laughs> no, oh, could no. be he did he eat, was he did eat edibles. He did eat some, but it was mostly smoking. He was he made smoking. It. He had a, a big volcano vaporizer, which is this awesome home vaporizer that blows the vapor into a bag, and then you just walk around with this bag and inhale from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 so great. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, people, you have to get a vaporizer. Mm-hmm. And he was using that. He was also he had a pipe. He was smoking joints. Yeah. Like he was just doing it all the different ways he wanted to. He had to mix it up a bit, I think, because if you did it all the same way for all day for 30 straight days, you'd probably, you know, get yeah. sick and tired. It was obviously shot for about 55 cents. Right. Right. It's yeah. it looked terrible. Right. Yeah. Uh the, if it if it wasn't Doug Benson, who's actually a funny guy, it would have been really unwatchable. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? I mean, I, if if you can watch it on watch Netflix, it, watch it as a stand-up movie. Watch it as a stand-up, stand-up movie, movie on Netflix with some intermittent pot science. I yeah. I actually find it interesting. Like I actually w- thought it was interesting to see a guy who gets stoned a lot go for thirty days. Yeah. And he was just like, you know, I'm not jonesing. It would just be nice to get high. But you're a pot smoker too. Yeah. Right. I, I think that pot smokers would find this far more interesting than I do. That's what I'm saying. Yep. I don't so, disagree with that. Now after that. This is where I got to disagree with pot smokers because I've actually seen a few good reviews of this. And I just, Kevin and I watched Evil Bong. Actually, Evil that's not Bong. entirely true, Joe. Yeah. Uh, Kevin watched the first two thirds of Evil Bong you, and then left. 
because I couldn't take it anymore. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and Joe watched the last third by himself. I'm going to admit that to the last little while I slacked a bit on some of my research, and so this one I want to do some penance. So I didn't just watch <laughs> Evil Bong. I also watched Evil Bong 2, and I also watched Evil Bong 3. The oh. fact that Evil Bong has two sequels. I know. <laughs> this is a Tommy Chong joint? Well, No. No. Tommy Chong is in it, but he shows oh. up right at the end. Oh, really? It's basically, it's an equivalent. But he's effectively on the cameo. I, Of course he is. <laughs> and the tagline is, who's smoking who? <laughs> and the uh, the entire film takes place in a single room. Pl- well, plus one fantasy room. Yeah. All right, so Bas- what's the plot? Give me the plot here. There's uh, three stoners who take in a, uh, a nerd roommate. Mm-hmm. They're the worst kind of bros. Yeah. And they, they, they're total stereotypes and stoners and losers and they raise all this money so that they could buy this bong from this back of this magazine and turns out to be a bong that's possessed by an evil voodoo spirit okay and then if you smoke from it and then fall asleep next to it it steals your soul so this is a horror comedy kind of a thing no uh i think I both think of those could, terms yeah. would be used very loosely <laughs> it was i think we had said at the end well that was a film or yeah this is it's it's a movie that if you act the, ask the filmmaker what it was, they would probably say horror comedy. Right. But as a viewer, I would call it it's, the joke was on me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it was the acting was bad. The sh- the shot setups were bad. It was obvious that they were wasting time over and over and over again yeah. to pad the movie out to 82 minutes. Yeah, it was like an 82 or 84 minute movie and they would have, in the middle of a feature film, they would have like TV Happy Days style like uh, transitions between scenes where you'd have like, you know, 20, 30 seconds of like spinning pot plants and oh. like just graphics. So they'd, they'd end a scene, right? Yeah. And then for time passing, they would just show... I think it was I think it was eight or twelve seconds of this CGI pot thing with a then and then 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 and you're watching it just going what what's the point of this why is this in a movie and then they would just go to another scene where you could have just cut same place in the exact same place where you could have just cut between scenes you just oh no and then and I decided about halfway through I'm like they're padding this for time because there's no content here. Uh, this thing sucks. I, like, I had never heard of this concept before. I didn't realize that you had to kind of target the 82 minutes for whatever reason. Oh, Is yeah. that because then it can be two hours with commercials on TV? Uh, uh, primarily, but it, for the most part, if it's like less than 80 minutes, you pretty much can't market it as a feature film. Like okay. nobody's going to pay to see. You can't market this as a feature film anyway. Yeah. Nobody would believe it. But it's you kind of have to hit this like mark. 88 minute is sort of your standard time for a feature film, right? It's terrible and, it's, and worse, it's insulting. Yeah. Like it, it seems like it's just a bunch of guys who decided it, it almost seems like they're not stoners because mm-hmm. they use the bong all wrong. Like, it seems like they were like, we should make a stoner comedy because that'll totally make money. And Hey, yeah, we can make it. So we'll have like naked chicks in it all the time because when it steals your soul, it goes to the only other set in the show, <laughs> which is a strip club oh. filled with naked girls dancing. And then they seduce you and keep you there forever i don't even know yeah and it, it, it one of the one of the very first killing it's the stripper has a bra right. 
with these skulls on it with these giant teeth and okay. she starts to lap dance with him and like wave her boobies in his face and, he's like, oh, and, then, skull bra. and then the skulls like bite him in the neck and, oh my god yeah the, sc- the skulls so this is on like the, this is like the purgatory this is like hell the hell yeah. strip club. yeah and then that, that's inside how, the bong that, okay. and then it steals oh, his soul right. and then he, he they wait they find him the next day and he's and dead the bong grows more powerful because it's got his uh, alright so spoil the ending for me Oh, I didn't see the ending. Well, I left with about 20 minutes left. Okay, so here's the ending. Because I'm going to spoil it. Because fuck this movie. Don't even see it high. And yeah. I didn't because of Tolerance Break, but which may, might have made me not be mad at it, but I'd still hate it. Tommy Chong shows up. Turns out that he's the guy who owned the bong. His wife sold it on him because she hated it. Uh-huh. And uh, he had had it hidden away because he knew it was evil. Okay. Because he had somehow resisted it. Yeah, uh-huh. It doesn't... They just make shit up like as they go along yeah no logical consistency sense. yeah and then there's an utterly ridiculous overly long trying to save your buddies who are dead by fighting the strippers in the bong world and then tommy chong tries to kill it with a chainsaw but it's got a force field mm. oh okay force field and yeah, then right. it shoots out super pot smoke and he gets stoned and it's like you're gonna suck you're gonna smoke from me buddy he's like no i'm gonna resist man which goes on again way too long <laughs> and then it finally brings him into the pot world and they defeat it it's just like something happens and they win <laughs> like it's literally that they're like oh let's get it and evil bong 2 they end up getting a couple more sets to do, to go on, but uh-huh. it's just as insulting. And it's like, hey, and now some naked women to stand around for you to enjoy. Uh-huh. Where, where the guys are just total bros and like they're, God, they're dicks. They're like, not the same actors. Are they, they are the exact same actors. Oh, God. Because here's the thing. Uh, most of them die, but of course, being not uh, a not horror, not comedy, when they destroy the bong, the guys all come back to life. Their, right. their souls get freed and their bodies spring back to life. Yeah, this is, this this series is is obviously awful. They anyway, they go to the jungle in that one, and there's a big king bong in the jungle. Uh huh. Who's the male evil bong? Okay. The female evil bong from the first movie is there, but really doesn't do anything except say that son of a bitch was so mean to me. And that's it. Really. And then in Evil Bong Three, really, a space alien bong lands inside a meteorite. Oh, that oh. sounds actually more interesting. Than the it's really not. It's really. <laughs> Stupid. It's just stoners will like this and we'll make money. It literally feels like that. That yes. Evil Bong 3 is the first one where I see them actually use a bong right. Uh, I'll tell you the one movie that I really enjoy that has a lot of pot in it, but mm-hmm. it's not a pot movie per se, is Days Confused. The Richard Linklater mm-hmm. opus about uh, being a teenager in the 70s in Austin, Texas. Okay. That's a great movie. And most of the people in the movie smoke pot pretty much all the way through the movie. But it's it's a coming of age story. It's got nothing to do with uh, the pot. Isn't the point? It's, it's just, just window dressing. Okay. It's just everybody at this age, at this time, in the seventies, in in your teen years, you smoke pot in Austin, Texas, and so it's kind of it's window dressing. It like rounds out the characters, but it's not the point of the film. And that's what, how you can have like a movie that features pot heavily still be a good movie. Right. The, I have an objection with movies that the whole point of the movie is pot. Yeah. I also watched The Union, The Business of Getting High, which is uh, a very recent, I think, three-year-old 
uh, documentary, a lot of it based out of Vancouver, talking about the current uh, growers of marijuana and how it gets into the States and how it's cultivated and grow ops and how they hide and deal with everything. It's yeah. Really super interesting. Way too much information to go in here. But here's the great thing. The entire movie is free on YouTube, put up by the people who made it because they want everybody to see it. Uh, I would highly recommend everybody watch it. It's quite well done. It's pretty obviously pretty slanted. Mm-hmm. They try to appear... Um, neutral, the guy doesn't get high himself and actually talks about trying to avoid the contact high because he wants to stay very sober throughout it. But it's pretty obvious that he's like, this is pretty silly that this is illegal and look at all the bad stuff because it's illegal and none of the bad stuff because of the thing. Right. Right. Which is really, that's really the argument. There are no directly related marijuana deaths per year in the USA. There are about six kids dying every year by choking on hot dogs. <laughs> Ooh, marijuana hot dogs. <laughs> so, but after they smoked a joint, yeah, because they're just trying to. They got the munchies right. so bad. It does they're just become trying to a multiplier. It, it yeah. does become a multiplier because you you get high and you want to eat more hot dogs, and maybe you're not so good at swallowing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what the munchies look like, right, that, Joe? That would get blamed on the hot dogs. <laughs> and the marijuana would go free. <laughs> that's that's what it is. It's, it's all a big cover up by big marijuana. comics literary mythology i found out uh the illustrator of the famous on the internet go the fuck to sleep children's book has a book called it's just a plant a children's guide to marijuana i'm not 100 sure this person is a good parent well i'm not 100 sure this person is a good artist (laughs) he's not no i'm 100 sure he's not a good artist and I'm 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 on the fence about the parenting. When your two children's books are go the fuck to sleep, and it's just a plant, an educational tool for marijuana. Uh, do does this person have children? Uh, <laughs> and if they do, they should probably have them taken away. Well, at least he's not getting his kids to go to sleep by giving them some primo kush. <laughs> yeah, no, he just yells at them, go the fuck to sleep. Yeah, but when you're stoned, it's like go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> You're no, a much nicer, angry parent. No, you know what? He wrote the book, Go the Fuck to Sleep. Got a lot of negative feedback. Because like, man, not so kind to your kids, are you? And he's like, screw it. I just got to smoke more dope. I think this precedes that, actually. Mm-hmm. It actually is a fairly reasonable little book. The The kid finds out that her parents are smoking marijuana and they try to explain it. Oh, it's a plant. And she says, what kind? And he says, well, let's go for a ride tomorrow. And then on a little bike ride, they go visit a person who grows marijuana and they talk about what it does to people. And she says, oh, do you do it? And the, the grower goes, oh, no, it just makes me sleepy. I don't like it. I would be interested to know, to hear from a person who grows pot who doesn't like it. Yeah. Who took this job because it's the only one he could find. There's a character in this book that you don't think exists in real life. Yes. Uh, But but my objection with this thing is... is You could not like corn and be a corn farmer. I know. I mean, there's money in it. Yeah. You do it because it's it's a decent... Right. Uh, product to make money with. But are you but actually I'm arguing, Joe, that there <laughs> that this character actually exists, that there is a pot farmer who doesn't like pot? I'll bet, I'll bet there is. I'll bet there's not many. <laughs> uh, so my objection to this book is that the title of the book is It's Just a Plant. Yeah. But it's not just a plant. No. It's just a plant, dot, 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 that gets you high. In the comics, 
The Floronic Man is a minor Justice League and Batman villain. But a, a minor, <laughs> yes, probably yeah. an, an understatement. The but, Floronic Man. Again, the only reason I know Floronic Man exists is because uh, I have played him in Heroclix. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he is pretty much worthless. Oh. In the uh, 1996 story arc in Shadow of the Bat, this plant-based bad guy was fiction's greatest stoner supervillain. Whoa. Okay. In the arc Leaves of Grass, uh-huh. Woodrow must regenerate his body out of roughage or perish. Woodrow. Is, yeah. Woodrow. I can't remember his other name. Woodrow uh, smokes probably a, a lot. Probably a W. <laughs> Woodrow finds himself a bunch of marijuana plants and, we can't make this up if we tried, reconstitutes his entire body out of dank nugs. So what year was this? Uh, this was uh, 1996. All right, okay. So there's a storyline in which he ma- reconstitutes his body out of marijuana plants. And then what happens? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's the problem. Batman defeat him by smoking him? <laughs> uh, it, it could just be that's the end and he goes away. I'm not sure because this doesn't follow it up. But in the 1980s, the Floronic Man battled Swamp Thing. During their Ooh. fight, Woodrow was able to mimic Swamp Thing's powers and was transformed into an almighty chlorophyll deity. Hmm. So shit. chlorophyll deity, Jesus. After losing his godly abilities, he takes a cue from Swamp Thing and tries to save humanity from itself. What's his plan? Oh. He'll team up with Poison Ivy and get the entire planet stoned on dirt cheap primo kush. Uh. <laughs> Is that true? Yes. Oh my after god, the that's the storyline. Goth- after the teenagers of Gotham beginning acting like extras in Reefer Madness, Batman and Robin swoop in and put an end to Woodrow's pot dealing oh. antics. Like, here's the thing. It always surprises me the nutty storylines that have happened in comics over the years. Like, you know, turning these things out on a monthly basis and all the titles that you, you know, you have and whatnot. I mean, you got to get stretched pretty thin to come up with something original. And this is just, you know, a bunch of weed smoking writers. Well, it's perfect like, that he teamed up with Poison Ivy. Yeah, yeah. That after is all, true. it's just a plant. That is true. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling. An ominous feeling. A feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new. And we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while undergoing buckyball therapy. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast. Or email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Oh, hello there. This is your old friend Torn speaking. Uh, you're looking well. I like your shirt. Hey, listen. I have something to want to tell you on behalf of the rest of the Caustic Soda guys. Uh, this coming May the 12th, 2013... 
uh, we are going to be doing another live recording of a podcast, just like we did last year at the very successful live extravaganza. But this time we're doing it at EXP Bar in Vancouver, B.C., You can Google that. But we are also going to be putting information on causticsetapodcast.com as to all of the fine minutiae. Why won't I just tell you here while you're listening? That would be handy. Certainly not because we don't know all the fine details. No, no, no. We're, it's a surprise. We're just going to, we're just going to want you to come to our website. Yeah, that's right. We just want hits. Okay, this is going on too long. Causticsodapodcast.com, May the 12th, 2013. Uh, the Caustic Soda Live Experience. So come on down, have some food, have some drinks, have a laugh. Uh, we're going to be trying some crazy new stuff that we've never tried before. So it will be interesting, an interesting little test, and you can be part of it. You like being part of tests, scientific tests, uh, injections, a barrage of questions, forms, probes, uh, fake medicine. Okay, bye. Kevin, I'll have you know I'm a skeptic, uh-huh. and I test my ideas. Okay, ideas. By, See what he did there <laughs> by noting them when I have them and checking them when I'm straight. Uh, Joe, uh, I believe I take care of the puns on this show. Thank you very much. <laughs>